Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, a new plan to disrupt Facebook and the big problem with state and corporate efforts to fight climate change. But first, Bernie Sanders versus Amazon. I think it is important to take a look at the power and influence that Amazon has. And Walmart and McDonald's and lots of other big profitable companies. There's been lots of talk this week, including here, about how conservatives are going after big tech. But some of these companies also have problems on their left flank, specifically from Bernie Sanders, who spent the past few months talking about how Amazon pays its warehouse workers too little and subjects them to poor working conditions. He's now publicly even asking Amazon workers to send him their horror stories and has promised to unveil a bill next week that would impose a new tax on Fortune 500 companies like Amazon that have employees who utilize federal assistance in the form of everything from food stamps to public housing to Medicaid. It's basically a one-for-one plan. So if Amazon or Walmart had a worker receiving $1,000 in federal benefits, the company would then be taxed $1,000. Now, why this matters isn't because it's going to become law in this Congress. It won't. But it could become a loud rallying cry for progressives who have lots of candidates on the ballot this November. And Sanders is going to campaign with a lot of them. And it's serious enough that Amazon chose to publicly respond, despite typically ignoring barbs from D.C. politicians, such as President Trump. And even though Amazon's reply didn't specifically address the idea of taxes tied to public assistance, say for saying that Sanders overstated the number of Amazon workers who this would apply to, investors seem to like the approach, as Amazon stock hit $2,000 this morning for the first time ever. Here's the bottom line. For Sanders to achieve his goals, it would probably be more pragmatic to simply redouble his efforts on raising the federal minimum wage, which still sits at just $7.25 an hour. But the political calculation here is obvious. Big tech and big business make for a perfect political pinata. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Felix Salmon, Axios chief financial correspondent. But first, this. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C., Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Joining us now is Felix Salmon, Axios Chief Financial Correspondent and writer of the upcoming Edge newsletter, which you can get by going to signup.axios.com. So, Felix, we have pretty limited data still on how many employees of each company receive federal nutrition assistance, for example, but Amazon's not really at the top of the list, right? The top of the list in every single state is... Walmart and the second company on the list in every single state is McDonald's. And in general, if you look at the five states which have released this data, it's overwhelmingly supermarkets and fast food. So then why is Bernie going after Amazon specifically? Is this simply a political calculation? The way that this has been launched, it's clear that he's attacking Amazon. He's not really concentrating on fast food. He's not concentrating on supermarkets. And so he started with the idea that he wants to attack Amazon. He's found a way of doing that because he knows that this will never become law. He's downplaying the real people who would end up paying if this bill became law. When you say the real people would end up paying, you mean in terms of higher prices? You know, obviously Amazon's got a huge number of employees, but, you know, McDonald's, Walmart, et cetera, not only have more in aggregate, they have, as you say, more who this stuff would apply to and who should theoretically be feeling these pressures. And they have, you know, ultra thin margins. If they complain when the minimum wage is raised and all of these kind of things, they would scream blue murder if they were forced to basically come in and pay for all of the welfare that their employees are receiving. 
You know, the whole idea of welfare reform was to help the working poor, for the government to, like, take people who are working but who are still poor and bring them back into the middle classes. And this basically throws that out and says, no, that's not the government's job. That's the employer's job. It's a political non-starter, but it also is conceptually very weird coming from a left winger who you'd think would want to support the working poor. Is this kind of Sanders basically saying, you know what, I've been trying for a while to get the federal minimum wage raised, which is the easier way to do this, both from a bureaucratic standpoint and from an effectiveness standpoint. Is this him just saying, okay, I have failed at that. Let's move on to plan B. No, I don't think so. I think the chances of raising the federal minimum wage are much higher than the chances of getting something like this implemented. This is pure Amazon bashing. This isn't really um, an attempt to get a bill signed. This is a way to score political points against a target, which for reasons that you probably know better than me, Amazon has become everyone's favorite whipping boy. Maybe you can tell me why that's the case. I think it's simply because of the numbers, right? You know, Amazon stock today hit $2,000 for a little while. Everybody knows it's the richest company. You've got Bezos, who's got tons of money. I think it's pure wealth bashing, even though it is a service that, as you well know, everybody seems to love or at least not love utilize, I think it's simply they're the biggest boy on the block. So everybody hates them for that. I don't see much more than that from a political standpoint. I think what this does uncover is the fact that Amazon does have an enormous number of not just low paid employees, but also temporary employees. What this bill really does is it uncovers the sheer amount of churn in these Amazon warehouses and the number of people who work for Amazon, but you know, not 52 weeks a year. So you're likely to be getting these food stamps if you're a temporary employee or if you're not working the whole time or if you're part time. And that's great for a whole bunch of people who are juggling jobs, who might be single mothers, that kind of thing. But it shows how reliant Amazon is on exactly the same workforce that Uber and other gig economy companies are relying on, which is people who don't necessarily either have the ability or the inclination to have a standard nine to five job. That's an interesting point. And it also goes back to what Sanders is trying to do. So that was part of Amazon's reply, right? They said, you know, Bernie, your numbers are wrong because you're not understanding the difference between a full-time and a part-time employee or an employee who only worked here for a couple months and then left. You brought up, I think, the concept of, for example, a caregiver, somebody who is only, say, working four hours a day, not because Amazon won't give them more hours or some other reason, but because they can't. They have something else they need to do with the rest of their day. It would seem that Sanders' plan were to go into effect would tell a company like Amazon, don't hire that person. Don't hire the caregivers and generally don't hire poor people. Like the rich kids who can have a low income but still not be eligible for SNAP, they're fine. It's saying hire only people who have already got it made and basically let the poor people sink into the welfare state. Felix, final question for you. Does all this end up balancing itself out? In other words, it's one thing if you're Amazon and you're getting bashed by Trump, the quote resistance comes to your defense, right? Or or at least kind of rallies around you. Does this then just balance itself out? You know, a company like Amazon's getting bashed by the right. It's getting bashed by the left. And so everyone just throws their hands up and stops paying attention. No, I don't think so. I think the resistance is not going to defend Amazon anytime soon. And if you're being bashed by both sides, and I think this is true Facebook and it's true Google, that's a problem for you. And you really need to develop some kind of an accountability mechanism beyond just trying to maximize your share price because it's clear that you've lost the public trust. And when you're that big and you touch so many people every day, you need them to trust you. 
Felix, thank you so much. Again, thank you, Felix Salmon. And be sure to sign up for his new Edge newsletter, which starts in a week from this Sunday night by going to signup.axios.com. My final two on a Trump-loving Facebook and why corporate climate change efforts fall short after this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. And now it's time for my final two. And first up is kind of the flip side of what we just discussed. Axios's Mike Allen reported this morning on a conversation he had with Donald Trump Jr., who said he'd like someone in Silicon Valley to create a right-wing version of Facebook, which Jr. would then encourage his father and his father's supporters to join instead. Now, I can see the appeal for Trump supporters, but let's be clear, this isn't going to happen, at least not in any meaningful way, because this would be much, much harder than, say, building up Fox News was, and that wasn't easy. So two big problems. First, building what they call network effects takes time lots of it. And it's impossible to imagine that President Trump would give up his Facebook and Twitter bullhorn during the 2020 campaign, thus making it harder for hundreds of millions of Americans to hear his voice and message. Second, we talk a lot about filter bubbles in social media, but most of us don't pick all of our Facebook friends exclusively on political ideology. We also use things like who we're related to, or who we grew up with, or who we went to school with. Now, some of us may indeed live our real lives within partisan echo chambers, and that's particularly true probably of politicians, but most of us don't. Because if they did, things like Thanksgiving would be much more pleasant. And finally, lots of states and companies are trying to take action on climate change. For example, California is about to require all the state's electricity come from carbon-free sources by 2045, and Facebook just set new carbon emission and renewable energy goals for itself. But a new comprehensive study from Yale University shows that while state and local and corporate efforts are important, they are less effective when not married by federal action, which, as we know, is currently going in the opposite direction. In fact, the research found that all of the state and corporate pledges to date, if you put them all together, it would lead to emissions in 2030 that are between 3 and 4% below what they'd be just under current national policies were they to stay in place. So you can read more about this at Axios.com, but the bottom line is that a piecemeal approach to climate change simply will not cut it. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Google Play, or other platforms. And to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great toasted marshmallow day, and we'll be back on Monday with another pro rata podcast.